0: Hello and welcome to the Gestalten Podcast. My name is Martin Groschwald and we are in the process of continuing, Hello and welcome to the Gestalten Podcast. My name is Martin Groschwald and we will be today continuing our little series of the design panels we were allowed to host during the IAA 2021 here in Munich. And today's topic will be design and technology more than a product. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of stuff happening that is connected to what actually is our podcast all about, gestalt and which means the design, and also the technology that goes into all these new products that we're looking into right now. And who would be better in a panel like this than the chief design officer, of arrival, namely Jeremy Offer, uh Freddie Geyer from a company called Rideware, who probably a lot of you know because they do this little tool called Kanzi, which has become very important on the UI and UX side, especially in the transportation industry. And the chief creative or uh, the chief experience officer of Icon Mobile in the United States, Christian Eckert, who has also been a podcast uh, guest, or uh, I think a couple of times actually already. So um let's get crack on. Design and Technology, a live panel from the IAA 2021 here in Munich. Let's go. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Martin Groschwald. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Concept House Group. And I'm delighted to welcome on stage with me today to discuss the topic of design and technology. And uh, before I, um, before I start with uh, the introductions of the people, we want to just want to make sure that when we talk about design, Today, we're not talking about engineering, which is oftentimes a little bit confused. We're talking about creativity. We're talking about what some people might call styling. We're talking about creative thinking. And we're talking about bringing products to life that appeal to people, but that are still nevertheless, obviously, uh, a usability point of view. Yeah. So it's we're not going to talk about engineering today. That was just important for us to clarify, I think, in the entire context. And with me on stage today is uh, Jeremy Offer. Jeremy is the chief design officer for a company called Arrival, which I think a lot of people have known uh, or gotten to know over the past few years quite regularly uh, with their buses and microvans. Um, next to Jeremy is Christian Eckert, the chief experience officer for ICANN Impact. They are working a lot with uh, product and automotive design companies when it comes to experiences and interfaces. And last but not least, Freddie Geyer the CEO of Rightware Inc., and Rightware is in the mobility space, very well known for a, a little tool called Kanzi. And uh, we're going to talk about the mix of the design and technology as of today. Yeah? So we will have about 40-45 minutes to discuss a few topics. If you would like to ask us any questions, we will... Do that afterwards on uh, sorry off stage, and we would like to make sure that you know you can find us, so we 're just standing around there if you have any questions, um, and we will get going with pretty much everything uh, that is about design and technology and we want to start with something which I think all of you are very well aware of, which is that technology is around us, uh, as well as its design. You all have iPhones or any kind of phone, so there's always a connection with something like that. And we see that this more and more comes into our vehicles, into our mobility services. And Christian, I'm going to start with you, because you're still the one who's somewhere in the middle of the, of the technology, as well as on the product side, of course, as well. Um, How has your job changed over the past few years with the kind of impact technology had? It's not just about just a screen anymore, something that happens on the screen, but for you personally, looking into these experience contexts, what has changed for you and how, how does a designer need to think nowadays where technology in any kind of context is omnipresent?
1: Well, I think when I started doing automotive interface design, pretty much 20 years ago at BMW you know the car was designed first pretty much then was a screen put somewhere and then they came and asked UI UX designers to think about what's on the screen but these days um, it's really all about everything is a system so we don't think about the car anymore but we think about an ecosystem and we need to really understand the technology across all these touch points in the car, on your phone, on the website, charging station, whatever it might be. So I think for us, one of the biggest changes that we have to think about so many more touch points, first of all. And then also we can leverage other technologies like virtual reality, augmented reality, haptic uh, to create totally new experiences. So on the one hand, it became way more complex, way more complex but at the same time you have so many more opportunities to create something that's brand specific and uh, kind of a human interaction in a way. Yeah, Jeremy, cool.
2: Yeah, very much so. Um, I think we need to also look at the organizational structures of how design teams are set up. Um, I think for too long it's been a bit of a closed shop where mm-hmm. really only companies employ people who've gone through the traditional car design and that dirty word styling. Route from a number a handful of handful uh, of selected universities. I think it's about time that we hired more uh, user experience designers, service designers, user researchers, industrial designers. So different types of designers all working together is going to give us the impact that we need. Um, UX specifically, I think, has been too for too long associated just with the digital realm. User experience is across the entire spectrum of the design process. Um, particularly when it comes to designing physical products, understanding the user is key to the development of, the, of, of uh, tomorrow's vehicles.
0: Yeah, well, Freddie, you guys are enabling designers with, with tools to do those kind of things. What are you seeing? I mean, you, you're actually at the forefront, so I would assume designers come up to you and say, oh, we have this idea, we would love to do this and that.
3: How, how do you deal with that? Hey, let me first answer your question you put also to Jeremy and Christian. I think for me, what has changed is, you know, I was working in the space of consumer software as well as professional creative software. and But I have arrived in an industry where I think it's fair to say, you know, we are talking about a consumer product. Yeah. And the consumer, consumer project has the highest level of integrated technology and related complexity. And, and I think that is how my job has changed. And with, for us at Rightware, yeah, we see that the main task for a, a creative person, for a designer in our world is to translate, yeah, the complex, yeah, the complexity of inter yeah, internal and external it yeah, combines this yeah, with the uh, all the touch points yeah, of the customer journey yeah to create at the end and interact create at the end interactive concepts mm. yeah that is what what we need to uh, provide as a solution uh, to our audience
2: yeah yeah it's definitely been two too much of a,
3: um, a, an emphasis on, on
2: on the separation, the siloed approach between the physical design world yep. and the digital design world. I spent the last 15 years talking about the connected ecosystem. You mentioned the, 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 the holistic ecosystem of, of digital and physical products working together. And it, you, you can't separate them anymore. The physical product these days, and in this case, we're talking about the car, the, um, the, the scooter, whatever it might be, is really a portal to a much wider set of software-driven experiences
3: yeah, I can only agree to that. I think yeah, the physical yeah, part of the car is one thing. But yeah, you called it digital, you know, yeah, but yeah, everything is uh, a complete user experience, you know, which is related to internal and the external yeah, part of it, mm. you know, is very important to us and it has to be true to its brand, yeah? So uh, that is also uh, something important to consider when it comes to design.
1: I think also to this point, this is why experience, user experience is so important because that relationship that you build with your customers and users, that stays even if the business model is changing. You know, maybe today you're a car company, tomorrow you're an app mm. because you're providing mobility services. But if you have this very good relationships that you build with your customers, this will stay intact. Yeah, You know, even if you switch from a car to an app or to a bus or whatever it might be. And this yeah. is why I think, Building those relationships even before you buy something, before you sign up for something, is really key. Actually,
2: yeah, absolutely. Understanding the user is is critical. I mean, we we do a lot of work with the logistics companies. With one of the vehicles that we're designing and manufacturing is a is a, a delivery vehicle, um, and we have a, a large order with UPS, and they became an intrinsic part of the development process right from the right from the get go. You know, we we involved all the UPS drivers in the design and effectively made, sort of baked in that process um, throughout the entire development phase. And we couldn't have developed the vehicle to the state it's at now with that deep understanding of how our users are gonna interact with a vehicle. For example, making it completely low floor so the drivers can step on and off the vehicle yeah. Rather than having to climb in and out of it, and when they're doing that hundreds of times a day, that makes a huge difference to their to their
3: to their workspace. This is effectively their workspace, mm-hmm. and makes that makes our job so interesting. In my point mm. of view, you know, some of the tech people you think you know design is more about beautification, yeah, absolutely, colors, yeah. yeah, shapes, yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah, much more, you know. But in my point of view, or in our point of view, it's much more about visual excellence. Yeah, and the visual excellence is uh, about the sense of usability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the different stages, use uh, uh, being mobile. Yeah, uh, but uh, also is the sense of uh, to, to the brand itself. Yeah,
2: and and how the
3: vehicle ends
2: up looking should be a, a product of that user experience, that research. You know, yes. it shouldn't be about just styling a car anymore. It, 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 it does. It has no context. It has no depth of meaning anymore I think you know it it, it, you, you end up with a bunch of me too looking products unless you actually understand your customers your users you'll end up designing the same vehicles that we've had for the last 20 years on the road that's probably also one of the biggest
1: changes as a designer that away from purely aesthetics it's really about um That added value that you can create. I think it's different type of purpose also. I also feel like we more and more have more responsibility to design in a certain way the products we design. You know, is it about sustainability? Is it about, um, thinking democratizing technology, you know, by creating something that has a lot of accessibility so everybody can access technology can interact with it in an easy way and i think this is more and more of a mm. totally different purpose than just aesthetics comes in place actually yeah, in yeah. i days. mean we're also
2: used to um our iphones the technology around us on a day-to-day level why not have that same level of experience in 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 in, in mobility sectors you know it's just it, the customer is is savvy enough now that they won't accept a diminished experience when it comes to the vehicles that they drive.
0: I want to jump into something that you guys mentioned and what I personally found very interesting is this idea of a lot of the wider public still understands design as a styling approach. So something that gives a product the skin. And it's and it's very omnipresent still in the industry as well, yeah. So there's especially big companies still think that styling is something we add later on. Yeah. Um, how do you see that with colleagues that you have? And uh, and then Jeremy, of course, you're not a traditional car designer. Uh, You come from a different kind of background, but you happen to be in charge of also vehicles right now. How do you get your colleagues to understand that? The technology is a tool that they can use to make better products because it yeah. seems very much to me right now that technology is given to a yeah. lot of people and then make it look beautiful, which is yeah. not the case of what we need to do.
2: Absolutely. And, and you know, at Arrival, we're um, we're not an automotive company. We're a technology company that happens to be designing in the mobility space. Uh, and that's and that's really important differentiator, I think. Um, yeah, for sure.
3: Jeremy, what I like at your job is, you know, I think you're the owner of an ecosystem, yeah, yeah. Arrival. And I think this is a perfect, you know, for your success story because you you really can change things and you can add, yeah. let's say, a new value yeah, to the things what you are doing. Yeah, yeah. and it's
2: essentially as well, it, it needs to be developed out of a market pull for your technology rather than a technology push, yeah I think that's really important to um to, to make that clear distinction between actually just because you can doesn't mean you should so actually this all comes back to this user experience so only be designing and producing products that are relevant for your for your for your sector and for your market and that that's very much comes from a sort of top down approach you mentioned that I'm not a Traditional car designer. I come from an industrial design background. So, my, my background is designing mobile phones, um, consumer electronics, uh, uh, white goods. Um, and all of these things start from the point of view of who you're designing it for, rather than just, it's a car, let's make it look pretty.
1: I think that's also our biggest philosophy in a way that we say, you know, technology should never be the driver, but should be the enabler. Yeah. So we don't want to start with what kind of technology you have, what can we do with it? But it's more like what is experience that we need to create? What's the product experience? What's the customer experience? And then from there, you can find this overarching experience strategy. And this kind of defines ideally even the tech roadmap because then you know what kind of technology you really need to create that impact uh, that you want to create with your customers. Mm. Yeah. Let, let me jump onto this because... If we take
0: that idea, and we obviously say, okay, this creativity needs to come from somewhere. Yeah? So the, the the product definition and everything that comes with that, and on a larger scale, could be a product, but uh, like a vehicle. But uh, you know, Freddie could be something like a software tool as well. How important is the designer? And obviously, two of you are very much designers right now. But how important do you think the designers is in that product definition nowadays? It's, it's still, if we look into vehicles, very much market marketing-driven, product-definition-driven design. Some companies is in there and some companies it's, in there, in some companies it's not, not in there. How do you see the role of the designer fitting into that to create these kind of experience? Because otherwise, it's, again, just this kind of skin on top.
3: May I? Okay. I think you know, yeah, the designer yeah, and all, yeah, even so to the developers, they are facing a new level of collaboration in that regard. Yeah, I think a developer yeah, by its own, you know, will be not able yeah, to to create something, let's say, groundbreaking new. Yeah, it has to be uh, the inter uh, the interaction with the designer uh, to change things. Yeah, in the, in the workflow, in the experience, uh, and so on. Mm-hmm. And I also think in the development in in our design world, you know, we have new factors uh, playing a really important role. Is uh, uh, like uh, data, yeah, which uh, needs to be visualized in a way that you get uh, that you get something out of it. Yeah, that is. Uh, I think we we also need to consider. About.
1: and i think it's also the structure of the corporate environment you're in or any environment you're in um to your point like tech company when, when i was at fairly future one of the main things we did back then was to transform the more traditional car setup to be honest from exterior design interior design color material to what we thought makes way more sense, which is a digital product team you know so because i was also thinking if we are A tech company first that also happens to create cars. Mm. Then we also need to have a setup that is more like a tech company. Mm -hmm. So what we change is instead of like having just a design team with designers and specialists, create a digital product team, which yes, you have designers, but you have product owners defining features, Mm. uh, creating product vision, but also software engineers so you can develop and create prototypes and software right away together. So we completely changed the setup of that uh, department. Mm. And then we became so much more powerful. And we had the same people yeah. you know, working on in-car infotainment experience as well as on mobile applications, for example, or charging stations in one team.
2: And it's interesting also that the traditionally the automotive industry has not been vertically integrated when it comes to software and the digital user experience, the HMI side of things. It's very much been a case of, our expertise is in the engine. And the irony is, of course, that's the one part of the process is now becoming obsolete. And we need to start thinking about other more holistic ways of creating the product at the center of a a much wider ecosystem.
3: As you can imagine, you know, when when I'm talking, let's say, to our customers, it's really an amazing experience to learn that they are not so much in this uh, into the idea of creating completely new new use cases, yeah, in the mobility sector. Yeah, so this is a very a interesting experience. And yes, we have a HMI development tool chain, and but when you look around, also yeah, I think I can say this, yeah, 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 our competition, yeah? yeah, we are all more or less doing more of the same. Yeah, and we need to change that. Mm.
2: Well, other areas of mobility are coming into play. I mean, when you say talking about more of the same, I think the car industry has been really been the main focus of the design um, community in the mobility space. But now there is such a much more much wider portfolio of products that we should be getting involved in, like ride hail, rideshare. Public transport. These are really uh, the areas that I see as being the exciting areas of development now. You know, I think we're getting we're getting designers from some of the best um, OEMs approaching us because they're a little bit bored, frankly, of designing the next sports car or the next SUV um, that's really aimed at a very small percentage of the population. And the idea of democratizing design and and uh, and and manufacturing and engineering and creating products that are that are more uh, of a community asset. You know, we're about building cities of the future and and transport ecosystems rather than just designing the selfish car.
1: And I think how the IA now starts to transform shows that like in a nice way. You know, when you walk up here, you don't see all, sure, you see a lot of cars, which is still very important, Mm. but you also see all these other mobility providers, scooters, um, or yeah. just like some car yeah. sharing services. Exactly.
2: Last mile delivery is a huge is a huge topic and uh, that, that people are, are engaged in now. You know, that's it's, it, There is a shift. There is absolutely a shift. The paradigm is moving towards a more democratized uh,
3: mm-hmm. way of transport for sure. So when you develop for UPS a van, so what is the difference to other offerings? May I ask?
2: Uh, well, most other OEMs, I think it's fair to say, are effectively taking their existing ICE vehicle and um, putting batteries where the engine used to be. But because they haven't taken a complete a complete ground-up approach to the design and manufacturing and engineering process, you'll end up effectively with the same vehicle that you've been driving around in, but heavier and more expensive, um, just to satisfy this shift to electric. Whereas We've designed it completely from the ground up. We have not, we've not had no legacy. In fact, we've, we hired very few automotive engineers or autom- automotive engineers or, or automotive designers at the beginning of the process. <laughs> it was highly creative engineers from other sectors that could come in with completely fresh ideas about what a delivery vehicle might look like, operate like, be engineered like, and be manufactured like. So, for example, we have our own body systems, we're not. We're no longer using metal-stamped um, uh, body panels that require billion-dollar suites of tooling. We have a very low-volume, low-pressure way of c- uh, creating composite body panels, which um, means that we can create vehicles at a much smaller volume. We don't have to invest in several billion dollars to create a gigafactory that can only produce one vehicle. We have an adaptability that enables us to create more bespoke, smaller-scale, um, user-centric, customer-centric offerings. And that's a real important differentiator. So would you describe your offerings then as
3: a solution offering?
2: Um, I would say it's a service offering. Yeah, we, we, okay. we are, we're, developing, we're developing entire services. So the way that you lease your vehicles, the way that you buy your vehicles, uh, the way that they're serviced in the true sense of the word. Um, and the and the physical product is at the centre of that. It's just much more. It's just a much wider scope of of connected, digitally software enabled services mm-hmm. that that in, that that mean that our that our vehicles are fully connected. Um, the uh, logistics operators understand when they need to replace parts through the technology that's embedded into the vehicle. They don't need to go through that t- traditional um, servicing route. Um, It means that when they're back to base, our autonomous technology, which has been born out of one of our sister companies, RoboRace, means that those vehicles can autonomously find their way to the right loading base, for example, at the beginning of their shift. And so all of this this adaptation and and, um, innovation in the technology space is is enabling a whole different future for the logistics industry, for sure.
1: Especially if you think about this huge market of purpose-built vehicles, which is gigantic. If I think about, I'm excited about Netflix plus mobility, PayPal plus mobility or other brands. And really like what does this mean for the future of mobility really? And then you might need totally, you can create totally new vehicles, right? You, you design from the inside out, design from the rear seat out. Yep. You design from the app out actually. And I think this is where you also need totally different manufacturing processes because you cannot, it's like lower volume, smaller volume, not that much, and you need to be way more flexible. And this yeah, is well, the idea
2: of of of, de- of as I say, I mentioned um, that we're no, we're not, we're not taking on board this sort of gigafactory model. We've uh, created a, a model around microfactories, which are much smaller production facilities that can be built in 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 any warehouse in any city. Um, it, it means that you are providing for the local economy, you're building at source, um, it, you're no longer shipping vehicles across the world, um, and you can design for that community. You can build a vehicle that's specific to that, that 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 community. So for example, if you're designing a van that has to operate in India, you may want more suspension travel, you may want more departure clearance, for example. Um, these are all things that we can start to design and develop uh, at, at a much more bespoke level, mm-hmm. um, depending on the location.
0: What I find interesting, and what you guys are saying, is that your your personal role seems to change very much. Also, and Jeremy, you mentioned earlier, service designers, but I want to go into almost like designing businesses. Because if you have these new directions, it's not just good enough to say we're offering a a, a vehicle like you know a a mobility service for the masses. It has to be also locally approached. So you need to understand the business that is possible to be done in certain areas. We see that with you know uh, China versus Europe versus versus the U.S. It's extremely different. So. If we take the technology in there as well, and we take China as well, where you know uh, Google is just not a thing because they have their own systems and stuff, what does it mean for you guys as designers in understanding the business as well because that must have a completely different direction of what you guys are doing to understand hey this is what we 're doing as an entire business, and we need to design for that as well, but find always a mix in between to have what our company wants to do but also what our you know customers in certain areas want to do. And maybe, Christian, you can start because you live in L.A. and you have a completely different viewing on being here in Munich now to what you have in L.A.
1: Yeah, and I think that's... This is why, first of all, we have studios in China, in Europe, and in the in, in, in U.S. because you need to understand the markets, you need to understand the cultures. I think mobile is a lot about localization, regional offerings, um, very different in some small village in China than in L.A., for sure. Um, I think also that in our space... In our company, we have designers, strategists, engineers, and more and more we see the demand of companies, especially startups, EV companies in in California asking not just for design service, but really help design the business first, you know, like help define what is this all about. Then from there, we define an experience strategy. And then, and this is not just design, by the way, this is technology. This is, this is product. This is, um, trends also marketing, of course, redefines really brand and product experience. Mm. And then later, maybe we'll start designing anything. of Exactly.
2: That. Understanding the products that you need to design first, yeah. rather than just jumping in and designing what you've always done. Actually yeah. reassessing your business model around how your vehicles are designed, engineered, manufactured, sold, serviced, um, and, and really getting that at a very top level Understanding that from a C level downwards, which is why it's really important also to have design representation at the highest level of a company that you report in directly to the CEO or, you know, the key decision maker in the business so that you're not designing by committee. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, so change here in mobility has at the end also a huge impact to our further tool development. Yeah, yeah, that is no question, you know, yeah, yeah, to change in. our strategic intent you will see in the evolvement of our product to come. Mm. When we
0: think about the the business aspect of design technology and how it's all connected to each other, I want to be a little bit provocative here. Um, Mm -hmm. We're obviously in a city that has received the show and um, is, is trying to think things in a very new way. What happens or do you, do you think it 's possible with everything that we have discussed now, understanding you know the business side of it as well, that maybe there 's vehicles coming from i wouldn 't even want to say companies but maybe regulators or cities or states that direct what happens in a certain kind of city, so what happens in an environment that maybe you are not creating mm. yourself and jeremy you 're in London. Uh, where Transport for London is a very strong player in the city as well. Yeah. Um, and we could very well imagine and we've seen it with the double-decker buses, with the taxis as well, that they take a very strong route of saying like, this is what we would like to do. And then the customer again changes and we have to rethink again mm. uh, and looking much more into public transport and looking much more into another personal transport. So the adaptation phase for you guys is going to be absolutely massive in the next few years.
2: Yeah, I mean, sp- take London specifically, you know, there's a big move to stop cars coming into the city. Yep. You know, there's, there's uh, areas of the city that you just can't drive around in anymore. Um, and the areas that we've focused on, you mentioned public transport. I mean, we just announced uh, a, um, an association with Uber as well to develop a ride a, a ride hail vehicle. Um, these are, I think, the vehicles that are g- going to become relevant, um, where there aren't as many of them on the roads. Um, you are sharing transport, particularly tra- particularly public transport. It's been an area of neglect for so many years. I mean, you know, getting on a getting on a night bus certainly in London is not the mess, not the best experience. <laughs> so, creating a vehicle, particularly in in a post COVID situation, that feels clean and airy and contemporary, um, that you don't feel like you you know you're you're you've got a sort of thick. Upholstered, grimy seat that's got decades of dust embedded in it. You know, these are the sort of design problems that we're, that we're, we're starting to focus on now. Just traveling around in Germany, seeing all of the makeshift um, plastic dividing screens that uh, all of the taxis are, are kind of cobbling together for themselves. One of the big challenges that we're looking at in, in a ride hail vehicle is how we create a, uh, a more purpose built protective environment for the driver and the passengers but also these vehicles have to operate as the private vehicles that the drivers own and that they that they ferry their children around in the weekend so how do you remove that how do you store that these are these are challenges that I think um, we wouldn't have even envisaged a few years ago that actually now we need to really address
3: I think yeah, London is a really good example, you know, yeah, about, uh, when we talk about regulated inner city uh, traffic. Yeah. I would love to see this in other parts of the world as well, including in my hometown Munich. Yeah. yeah I'm, when I look to see politics talks on politician, polit- political level, you know, I can't really see this in the short few uh, years ahead. Um, when we talk about the u s you know a uh, first uh, regulation uh, was uh, car lanes yeah and also that helped uh, a lot and it makes a big difference in your experiences on a daily basis you know that car lanes not only uh, for passenger cars equipped with more more than two or three people but also uh, uh, electrical cars uh, are now are able to use those regulated traffic lanes
1: totally i mean in l a when now- i with my electric car, I can use the metro express lane, the carpool lane for free, which is amazing because I'm twice as fast. Uh, I don't have to pay for this metro express lane, for example. So I think there, there are many ways how regulators can support new mobility initiatives. But at the same time, I think two main challenges are one is localization. So oftentimes CD1 has some ideas, CD2 next to each other have their own regulations. So you yeah. can have some autonomous driving in city one, but then they have to stop at the border because the other city doesn't support the same legislation yeah. or regulation. Yeah. That's one challenge. And I think another challenge is that the reality of companies is just so much faster often, right? Like I live in Santa Monica where a Bird, for example, the e-scooter company was founded and they didn't ask any city council at the very beginning whether they can launch the service. They just start the company, and overnight literally they dropped thousands of scooters in Santa Monica, creating mm. a lot of chaos in a way, yeah, but also making facts at the same time and Now, like six months, twelve months later, regulations start to kind of catch up finally, and which is also important because it was a little bit too chaotic, but at the same time, if you would wait for someone to make that call, you know things might never happen really, so I think it's a speed
2: yeah. issue also It's really important that we develop vehicles. Uh, in conjunction and in partnership with city councils and and city infrastructures, and not just sort of drop in a service without that level of consultation. For example, we've just opened a a factory up in Charlotte in the US, and the authorities there have been instrumental in helping us develop the infrastructure that we need to be able to provide vehicles that are relevant for their communities.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, we we need to understand that, when we talk about designers overall, it's also a, a, a big chance for cities. And you mentioned exactly the right thing, Christian. Yeah, you might have uh, Bavaria doing something different than Berlin or Baden-Württemberg or whatever. And it's the question of like, look, the technology allows us to connect all these things together. But the design aspect of it is still then possible to differentiate um and that's where for example london is for me a perfect example is new york is that with all these connections coming together the design still allows you to be unique if you like to do that and new manufacturing methods and allow it to be vehicles or mobility solutions that become a representation of a city it's not just becoming uh and i think this is the interesting thing uh, it's not just a car that is, or uh, you know, a vehicle, or a bus, or whatever that is copy and pasted into any specific city Absolutely. in the world. Yeah. You can use the design, the creativity behind everything, and yeah. this then goes into the app and everything. That the city have something like an icon, something that all of you, if you've ever been to New York, is like there's, mm. you know, there's the yellow cab. Um, if you've been to London, there is the the black cab, there is yeah. the the, the, the double decker buses that are red, mm. and I think if we find these ways to collaborate, and this is where the interesting mm. thing comes in, and where we need to, you know, go long term, is yeah. to really say it's not just one or the other. We exactly. probably need the thinkers, of course, but. If we really want to create this mobility revolution that also the show is all about and everything else, it is about collaborating with governments, with local governments, with companies, but also about good decision making and relatively quick decision making. Because otherwise it's exactly what Christian just mentioned that, you know, it's always behind. And at some point we will not be able to catch up anymore. And then you, you will have a little bit of a mess.
2: And you also have to take into account the different legislation uh, and safety requirements of vehicles for specific locations. For example, designing a piece of public transport, in our case a bus, for India or for America, is a very, very different proposition from designing for the EU. Where, uh, for example, in in the US, for example, the crash, crash regulations are are so much more stringent. Um, We're not allowed to use e-mirrors, just little things like that that make a big difference, that if you're just producing one product and one product only, you can't cater for that level of of bespoke manufacture and and, and requirement. Um, So the idea, again, coming back to this idea of of building specifically for the, the, the environment that you're operating in in the environment you're operating in, actually building those vehicles there, is, is I think, got to be the model of the future and, and less about a, a centralized production plant that just churns out the same vehicle and gives it you, effectively, you know, maybe a choice of seat covering. And that's the only offer- opportunity for, for, uh, for, for, for a bespoke offering. Yeah.
1: I think, it's also, whatever mobility solutions you have, I think it's going to be USP for cities in the future, um, in the good or bad. Right. If, if you don't provide really good transportation and mobility as a city, then people don't, they just go to another city. You know, right. I think this is why it will also be a USP. This is why I think working together with, with, um, cities to create those solutions is key, actually. Even though COVID, of course, has changed a lot. People can work from home, totally changed commuting and uh, where people can live. Um, do they have to commute or not? But I think overall for most people, especially in bigger density, Dense cities, like what offering do you have as a city to your, to your people
2: mm. living there? I think it will be very yeah. important in the future. And design also has to take into account the fact that we have changed the way that we commute now. We, you know, so many, so many of us are now obviously working from home. I'm, I'm actually feeling a little bit agoraphobic being with so many people in such <laughs> a, big, a big space at the moment because I've spent the last year and a half effectively talking to a screen, yeah. um, which I'm not saying is a good thing, but it, what it has meant is that we are traveling less, so that the needs for our, our public transport road, uh, and, and road infrastructure systems are going to change. You know, the, there is no longer the sort of um, rush hour commute. You know, that's not, you're not sat in traffic for, for, for an hour on your way to work so much anymore. So I think that will start to bring in different ways of thinking about how we get from A to B.
3: Freddie? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, Corona, you might think, you know, that would have a huge impact of traffic jams. I think on Not our thinking. right, on our <laughs> right to the expo, you know, we, we faced something completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think in my point of view, you cannot copy a concept which works in one city to another city because of, let's say, circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Different circumstances need to be considered. But I think we need to have, we need to re- revolutionize mobility concepts. Yeah. And I think that is important. And uh, this is something I think for the industry. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we need governmental support for that. Mm. Yeah.
1: I mean, overall, it's obviously the most exciting times to be in that space, at least for me. Yeah. Um, On all levels, really, like now we can, I mean, just to see how many startups we have here, how many new, you know, products come up every day or globally is, is amazing to see. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and if I think about new, new, new business opportunities, experience opportunities, for example, I, if uh, on a Friday afternoon in LA, I take an Uber to, from Santa Monica to downtown, it takes maybe two hours, uh, because traffic is still crazy. But if I can pay 10 bucks more to get my Uber Netflix ride Mm -hmm. instead. Where I can have a nice screen, maybe a nice seat. You know, I can watch a movie in those two hours. Then I don't care. Mm. And I would easily always pay those $10. And I think, you know, this is how you can think about totally new integrated sort of offerings with other brands also that have typically a traditional relationship to mobility necessarily. But now they can because it's not just a car anymore. It's your office. It's your movie theater. It's your spa. It is whatever you want it to be. Yeah.
2: And the opportunity for more. Uh, design in uh, interiors of our vehicles has been completely revolutionized by the the skateboard approach to electri- electrification, you know though you 've no longer got a third of the vehicle dedicated to the engine, so there is a lot more space, obviously crash requirements uh, are a given, um, and we can 't push the driver too far forward, but it does mean that we have an opportunity to create a much more expansive experience um on an interior um design level for, for uh for, for our passengers.
3: Yeah. Coming back to your use case, you know, a Netflix Uber yeah a transportation, you know, yeah, I think as we know, yeah, in-car user experience, you know, is driven by larger screens, more screens. Higher resolution, you know, yeah. and I definitely, you know, can guarantee you that we will take care of it. You know, <laughs> that your in car user experience will increase.
2: So I, I, I would, dis- I would, I would disagree slightly to, to an extent. I, I don't think more screens is the panacea for everything. You know, I think, for example, on a bus. With the, one of the first manufacturers, I think the only manufacturer to have a fully panoramic glass roof so that actually you could experience the world around you. You don't need to be glued to a screen necessarily. Let's just make a, let's just make an environment that means that you can experience the outside world a little better, you know, to get clean air inside the vehicle. Um, I think we, we all spend far too much time behind screens as it is. So why do we necessarily want to do that while we're driving? I know that's counterintuitive to to what you guys are doing, but um, I, you know I do think the digital experience comes back to this idea of a user a user based set of rules that we design to has to be a little bit more thoughtful around how we communicate and not just go to the 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 instinct which is most of I think our our design for the way that we design these days of of just adding more screens and I I, I would definitely counter that. Yep.
1: Thanks for providing the platform (laughs) but i would agree actually you know like we we do concepts with with companies where there's no screen anymore Mm. uh it's for example voice only voice sound audio Mm -hmm. only and i think um designing we still design for humans not robots and we have five senses and i think leveraging those senses scent smell what i can see touch feel all those things i think this very holistic approach is what makes it very exciting we still need screens but, uh, but I think designing for all these other senses is what we as designers can do to humanize technology, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's going to be more and more and more of everything and we need to or can make yeah. help sense, can simplify that and actually can make technology go away.
2: Yeah, you know? t- simplifying it, exactly. Contextualizing the information yeah. that you as a, as, a, as, a, as a driver or as a passenger receive from your digital technology within the vehicle and not just providing a panacea blank you know, a, 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 so much information that it becomes overwhelming. Um, creating something that's a little bit more considered—that you only are told that you're um, running out of fuel or running out of uh, electricity, maybe you know, at the appropriate time. You haven't got you haven't got speedo dials everywhere. You haven't got this idea that you're you're you're, you're surrounded by digital technology all the time, and it just sort of whispers at you when it when required.
3: Yeah. This has not much to add, Jeremy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, guys, uh, we're running just out of time. Um, and I want to say thank you to Freddie, Christian, and uh, and Jeremy, of course, as well, for a very lively discussion. Uh, we hope you had as much fun as we had here on stage. And uh, as mentioned, we will be right next to the stage for a little of a more personal and private Q&A if you would like to find us after the after the panel. And yeah thank you very much for your attention and we uh, wish you a very lovely iaa and enjoy both the show here go into the city as well it's a lovely uh, combination of everything and once again thank you very much guys